Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? It's another Sunday night. It's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. Hey, ladies first. Yes. All right. So if you guys follow me on social media, you know that recently there was an award show. Glitz and Girl Power Awards. This is their sixth year. Diva the Rockstar and Shanika Marshall Brown, they are the creators of this award show. And they basically just, you know, give big ups to the women in the community who are doing things in these community. These women in the community, it's not just in the community of South Florida or in Miami, it's all over. Mona Scott Young was an honoree, uh, Frederica Wilson was an honoree. And I spoke, but turned out to be an honoree. I was very shocked very surprised so again thank you to them for the honor i received the shiro of the year award and so i just wanted to put that out there you guys follow them on instagram glitz and girl power awards and also pretty hustlers that's uh diva's um other instagram holder um handle pardon me Follow them so next year, you know, get a group of your girlfriends, get tickets, and go to the award show. Now, I think I got to redirect the conversation here and and even the music choice because um, I want women to know that they can be a savage. You'll understand why I'm saying this a little later in tonight's episode. I'm answering some questions, some DMs that came in, and one woman DM'd and said women are not allowed to be sexual. I mean, it's true, but you can do whatever you want to do. You just have to do it a certain way. It's unfortunate. Of course, we're not men. We're, We're ladies, so we have to conduct our business differently. But besides this song being inspirational on the level of sexuality and sexual expression, I find this song to be inspirational because I'm a savage when it comes to business, so we should all be savages in the business realm. Bitch, I'm a savage. That's right. We all got a little bit of stuff in us. There are times when you may have said something or did something that would have been considered ratchet. I think that's probably 99% of women. I don't care what anyone says. There has come a time where you may have had to do something that was considered ratchet. But being savage is not just being savage in the bedroom. Understand being a savage means being a savage about your family, being a savage about your business, all of those things. So it ain't just sexual. So anyhow, join me on the couch tonight as I answer some of these DMs. And you know I'm going to break down that Will Smith situation real soon. It's coming. What's up, guys? So I just want to remind you about the ways you can follow me. 
You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Delvina at Dr. D as in Delta, E L V as in Victor, E N A. I no longer have a Dr. Delvina Twitter or a Dr. Delvina Facebook professional page. Both of those were unpublished. Um, I won't get into the details of that, but um, instead of following Dr. Delvina on Twitter, follow the office Twitter page, which is which is DRT. Brain Love, D-R-T, Brain Love, B-R-A-I-N-L-O-V-E, D-R-T as in Dr. T, D-R-T. And on Facebook, you can follow the Brain Love podcast. And of course, if you are not following me on Instagram, follow me at Dr. Delvina. And my website is Dr. Delvina, Dr. Shorten, D-R, and then Delvina, D as in Delta, E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A dot Help, H-E-L-P, as in help me, help me, Dr. Delvina. And um, tell your friends, tell everybody about the Brain Love Podcast. Please subscribe. Subscribe either on Pandora, on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. If you're on Anchor, subscribe on Anchor. Show me some love, y'all. Show me some love. That's right. Hey, 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 guys, it's Dr. Delvina. It's Sunday and it's time for another new episode of the Brain Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delvina Thomas, a board certified psychiatrist here in South Florida. And every Sunday night, I bring you a new episode of the Brain Love Podcast. Are you ready to take the couch? So tonight I decided I would do something different. I do not have a guest. But I discovered I have so many DMs in, I guess, the spam box of IG. I'm so sorry if you've ever sent me a DM and you didn't get a response, more than likely I didn't see it, unless, of course, it states seen. It has to state seen, and then you know I've seen it. But if it doesn't state that, then I did not see your DM. If that's the case, please email me at info, I-N-F-O, at Dr. Delvina. Doctor is abbreviated. It's not spelled out. It's D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A. That's V as in Victor. So D-R-D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A dot help, H-E-L-P. So tonight I wanted to answer some of your questions that have appeared in my inbox. Oh my gosh. All right. So the first question I have for you. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to talk more about that Will Smith slap too. Will Smith smacking Chris Rock with the open hand was crazy. I would just like to say that uh, two years ago or so, I told you guys that Will and Jada have a very toxic relationship. And I think that was a clear example of toxicity. So someone's probably saying, how the hell do you make that toxic when Chris Rock made fun of his wife? Well, if you didn't notice, Will was actually laughing at the joke initially. And I also heard um, some people who had in the inside scoop say that the script did not include that joke. Comedians, they, they, they create impromptu jokes all the time. They do this. They get on stage and they just go ham on the audience. That's what they do. That's what they're known for. And seeing Jada in that green dress with her um, shaven head, I could see how he could say something like, um, I could see you as the next G.I. Jane, but also he's planting a seed for her. I bet you, I bet Jada and Will Smith will create that movie. 
Who wants to bet a paycheck? Who wants to bet me on that? Jill and Wada are going, I'm sorry, Jill and Will and Jada, I said Jill. Will and Jada will create that movie. Watch, she's going to be the black G.I. Jane or whatever the heck it's called, the one that had Demi Moore. So anyhow, let's get back to the questions and answers section. So good morning. I just saw your interview with Nana, your bipolar friend in Ghana this morning. I have a question. Are there any similarities or differences between someone who has bipolar and someone with autism? Also, for my educational purposes, can you recommend any good books? I have a grandson with autism and a great niece with autism. And do you have interviews on your page dealing with autism? Thanks in advance. And this came from, I can't, I don't want to say the name because I don't want to reveal anyone's personal information. So, but thank you so much to you, sir. I'm going to um, DM you back and advise that I did receive your question. And so the main difference between autism and bipolar disorder, folks, is that autism is a developmental disorder. So it's a disorder where, um, during which symptoms appear before the age of three. Bipolar disorder is a mental illness that may appear at any age and may be kind of triggered by traumatic emotions. Um, That's one of the things that can cause it. Bipolar disorder is not a developmental thing, whereas autism is a developmental disorder. Bipolar disorder has been called manic depression because it's characterized by severe mood swings. There's different types of bipolar People also have rapid changes in their energy levels and their functioning. Oh, shoot. Sorry about that little noise in the background. Something fell. Um, And autism is actually characterized by difficulty in speaking, communication, social skills, and and behavior. So, yes, sometimes people are fooled and, and there's some similarities between bipolar disorder and autism. So some of the things that may, you know, create similarities between the two disorders include the speech, because in both uh, mental health uh, disorders, there may be pressured speech, such as it's rapid, it's loud, they talk virtually nonstop. Also, the agitation, we call the psychomotor agitation. Sometimes both of these people, people who have bipolar disorder, and people who have autism, constantly pace, they're constantly walking back back and forth. And both of these types of illnesses might cause a decrease in sleep. And both illnesses can cause impulsivity. And impulsivity could include aggression as well. So if you're uncertain about what your family family member may be suffering from, please take them to see a mental health professional. Please, please, please take them to see someone. And um, if you're seeing these sorts of symptoms, you need to take them to a higher level of care. So mental health professionals can include people who have master's degrees and people who have a higher level. So either a PhD or PsyD, those are psychologists. If the PhD is in psychology, because you know you can have a PhD in anything, you can have a PhD in social work, but that doesn't make a social worker with a PhD a psychologist. They're a social worker who we can then call Dr. DR because they have that PhD. Or you can take them to see a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is a physician, a medical doctor, uh, which could be an MD or DO, that's allopathic or, or osteopathic physicians. You can take them to see a psychiatrist to get diagnosed as well. Next question. 
I'm 47 and grown and sexy and I'm married and I have been very in tuned with my sexual desire and makeup. I can hang with most men in, with comparison, but most men don't want to tap into a woman's sexual mind or her emotions. Men tend to, not all men, but from my experience, men only want physical sex minus intimacy. But women in general cannot be openly say or cannot openly say they want sex as much as men and she can't be openly proud sexual freaky open women without being judged even as a wife she can't broadcast like she's getting it in women's sexuality femininity and sexual openness is suppressed socially and culturally our sexual expression is behind closed doors and a secret they don't call victoria's secret for nothing or Pandora's box. Our sex has to be, and um, that's the typo, I think. Our sex has to be locked behind closed doors for most women. Most open sexual arenas and off-market or sex secret societies. So I guess she's saying it has to be locked behind closed doors. Or if it's open, that means it's a sexual arena and off-market or sexual secret society. And let's not get into religious thoughts and how a woman should be. So I think she sent that in response to something I posted uh, clearly regarding women and sexuality. And my response to that is, sis, you are so accurate in that. It is discouraged for women to be openly sexual or to be, um, how shall I say, openly intimate or uh, to openly to be transparent about their thoughts on sexuality and being sexual. Um, I mean, look at women who get um, shamed for wearing certain things, women who may be considered provocative because of what they have on. So you're absolutely right about that. And I think a lot of men want things left up for interpretation. And also they want to have a fantasy. They want to fantasize about what you look like behind all of those clothing. And so um, I think that plays into it a bit as well. It's... um wondering what a woman looks like when she does this robe or when she is dressed um, sexually or going out on a date. That's why if you've ever been a woman and you worked in a job or in a position where you wore a big ass uniform, like in the military or for the police department, when people see you out in all of your sexiness, you could just have on jeans and a t-shirt. You know, some women are sexy. They don't have to be half dressed. They don't have to have on tight clothing. Some women just have sex appeal and it comes off, it exudes easily. And then some women try too hard to have sex appeal. I remember walking through the mall with my best friend, Lizette, in college. We were at um, oh, Mondamin Mall. That's what it's called. Mondamin Mall on the west side of Baltimore. And we both had on sweatsuits. We had on, um, back then, Russell apparel was big. So we had on Russell sweatpants, Russell sweatshirts, and we had on cute sneakers and this guy stopped us in the mall and said, you sisters keep doing what you're doing. You look sexy as hell in here, dressed in your sweatsuits, just chilling. You don't have on high heels. You're not half naked. You are sexy just like that. I'll never forget that. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when I wear sexy things. The sides might be out. You might see my cleavage or, you know, whatever. I might have on a dress that's form-fitting but you won't see me in that in a professional setting. I'll wear that in an you know, after hour setting or in a nighttime setting, in an evening setting. 
that's when I will wear that because I don't feel I need anyone's permission to wear something that I want to wear. And I'm wearing it because I like the way it makes me feel. I like the way I look in it. I think it's a pretty dress or pretty suit, whatever it may be. And I don't think I owe any person an explanation for that. And to the sister who talked about wanting to exude her sexual, uh, her sexual, uh, not sexuality, but how sexual she is and her sexual appetite and be able to roll with it. You do what you want to do. You do what you feel you want to do. Um, you see it often, women who, uh, Meg Thee Stallion, um, Cardi B, um, these are people who are famous and they're making money off of doing this, of course. And then there's just everyday people like you and me, sis, where you just have to be careful where you allow that, um, that, that passion to, to go, where you allow that to be displayed. Obviously, it can't be displayed in a professional setting. And for some people, they believe that it should only be displayed with your husband behind closed doors. Different strokes for different folks. Can't tell people how to play the game, you know? Just, you got to do what you feel. Do what you feel. Don't conform to society and what society thinks. As long as it's not unethical, illegal, or immoral, do what you feel. And again, you're absolutely right. So the next DM that I received, I hope you get around to reading this. I would really love to get your perspective, perspective on something. Me and my husband have been together for 15 years. We have been married for 11. There are three kids between the ages of 15 and five. I love him and there has been no cheating. We have not had an actual, let's see, I'm sorry, there's typo here. Um, I think she's saying I have not had an actual sex drive, actual sex drive for years. I do climax and squirt from time to time. The climax is only clitoral. He's tired of being the initiator. I feel bad. So I plan sex and he does not feel the connection. I see it as a job I have to do as a wife. Ooh, that's painful. That is painful. He is attractive, but I just have no urge that ever equates to wanting sex. I do enjoy it, but I'm overweight. So I get tired easily. So we stick to the same three positions. When I'm in the act, interruptions come into my mind of my to-do list. Not sure why, but I'm mentally constantly fighting off to stay focused. I see sex as God's way to create and for men to be pleasured from the wife. I don't want to see it like this though. Help me please. Well, whew, I got to unwrap this. I have to unwrap this. Number one, yes, yeah, sex is for procreation, but oh my gosh. If it was only for procreation, then God would not have allowed us to climax. We can climax. Orgasms are the best. And if you've ever had an orgasm, you will forever chase an orgasm. You will always want to have an orgasm. I don't care what anyone says. If you've never had the pleasure of experiencing an orgasm, then that could be why you don't have an interest in being sexual or sexual activity. She states that she has climax and that she has squirted. Um, and so the first thing is to change your mindset. You mentioned that you see it as a way to create and for men to be pleasure from the wife. Nah, 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 nah. That works both ways. It goes two ways. Sex is also for the woman to be pleasured 
we got to get ours too. It ain't just about him. It's for you too. So maybe that should be your first affirmation and changing your mindset about sex. And that should be, I want it all. I want to come today. That could be an affirmation. Seriously, that could be a sexual affirmation. It could be also, I would like to feel, I want to feel good today. I will do all that I can to feel good with my husband. That's another affirmation. So number one, change your mindset about sexual activity. It is not just for him or for your, for your man. It is not just for your man, it's for you too. And I always say, women who have low sexual appetite, if you could just feel what it feels like to orgasm and to climax, you would get it. Um, for those of you who have never had an uh, orgasm, you may have to go the extra mile and do the work to achieve climax and orgasm so that you can understand and feel the full brevity of this pleasure. Now, you're asking, how do you change your outlook on sex? The other thing is this. You have to embrace that this is a way for you to love you and to love your man. Making love is about him and it's about you but as a way that God gave us to show us, to give us the ability to show another person how much we love them. There's so many ways you can show someone you love them. You know, you've heard of the, um, the different things like um, our love languages. You've heard of that. But you can show someone you love them in the sexual act by pleasuring one another. And you also have to show each other that you love each other by not always going all the way. A relationship, an intimate relationship is not always about intercourse. It's also about holding hands, kissing him, you know, his grabbing your ass, uh, his rubbing on your nipples, rubbing on your breast. It could be just lying in bed together, holding one another. It could be lying in bed and holding each other and making out. It could be just oral sex. It could just be pleasuring one another with your mouths. It doesn't always have to lead to intercourse. And intercourse doesn't always have to lead to an orgasm. I know I just spent the first five minutes of my response talking about how great an orgasm feels, but it doesn't have to be about the orgasm. So changing your mindset includes telling yourself that you deserve pleasure as well, that the intimacy is about you, not just about him. And also that intimacy is so many things. I also think that you might have a little bit of anxiety because you mentioned in um, your comment, you said that when you're in the act, you allow things to interrupt your mind. Anxiety will do that to you. Anxiety will intrusively interrupt your thoughts. When you're trying to think of one thing, when you're anxious, you start to think of another. So I would encourage you to work on being more mindful. Being mindful means being in the moment. It, being, it means being in your moment. It means paying attention to what you're doing, what you have going on in the moment. It means shutting out everything and just allowing your mind to focus in on whatever it is that you're doing in that moment. So people are mindful when they do yoga. 
they're just thinking about doing their yoga. People are mindful when they're meditating. People are mindful when they're praying as well. So maybe practice being mindful when something comes and interrupts your thoughts, you push it away and you refocus. You just, and you'll get better at it. The more you do, the better you'll get at it. The other thing is maybe before sex, you should write down things you have to do so that your brain knows, okay, she knows she has to do these things and she's going to take care of them. Your brain will be satisfied. Get a journal, write it down in your journal, keep track of it in your journal. And before, before sex, maybe just journal. I know this sounds crazy, but it may be something that you have to do, especially if it's a, a moment when you set up the sexual intercourse with your man. You said that sometimes you'll set it up and he feels like it's it's basically he's saying you're not being genuine because he states that, um, let's see, where is it? It says, oh, he doesn't feel the connection. So try to be a little more spontaneous as well. Don't, don't, don't do the big setup. The big setup is a turnoff for some people, especially if your big setup, you are not doing big things or you're not actually showing him you genuinely care. Maybe you guys have to switch it up too. Maybe you should go get a couple's massage together. Maybe you should go stay in a room together. Um, your children are between the ages of 15 and five. So the 15-year-old should be able to watch the two little ones. Um, maybe take a walk you know, at night or something. Maybe go on a picnic and have some wine and get in the mood. Change up what you typically do. I would be curious to hear I would love for you to call in one day. So I'm gonna, I will DM you tonight to let you know I responded to your question. And um, and I'll ask you if you want to call in and give us an update on what's going on, because this is an old, old message. I told you guys I just found some of these DMs. All right, and I'll do one more question and answer. And this is a very good question because I get this a lot. You guys know I talk a lot about fathers being in their son's lives. There's a question from a gentleman. And he, say, he states, hello, Dr. D, love the post you did about fathers not being in their son's lives. Could you talk about how mothers not being in their son's lives affects them as well? I was a single father until my son was five years old. My son's biology, mo biological mother, he meant to say, my son's biological mother had been in and out of his life, but his stepmom has been here since he was five. He's 12 now, but that biological mother-son bonding is missing. That missing bond has really affected him in the way he views interacts with women. Could you do a video on how important mother-son mother -son's bonds are or how biological and stepmoms need to work together to help raise the son, not fight each other and make it worse for the son? Well, for obvious reasons, stepmothers and biological mothers should not fight. That just That is so immature and so whack. Mamas and daddies too, stepfathers and biological fathers, you don't want to fight each other. We're supposed to be a family. We're supposed to be raising these kids together. We all have to be involved. We got to show our children that we can do better. And so fighting one another should not be an option. I love when I see mixed families chilling together. You know, I mentioned to some of my friends, so let me not go in my little personal business, but anyhow, um, when my son graduated from high school and his college graduation was during COVID, so it wasn't an in-person graduation, but his 
graduation from FSU with his master's in business was an in-person graduation. His father came, his stepmother came, I was there, and um, we all went to eat. We all went out to dinner together. It was just a small, small dinner. He, my son brought his girlfriend. My son's brother was there, his brother that's um, that was conceived by a stepmother and his father. And so it's whatever. We get along. What's the point of being at freaking odds with one another? It doesn't do anything for the kids. Now, let's talk about how not having mothers in the home can contribute to the emotional instability of our child. When a mother neglects her son emotionally, he may suffer what's called insecure attachment issues. So he has issues with forming close relationships. He's generally fearful of being abandoned again. And he has the reducibility to experience genuine happiness in relationships. Mothers are important are important to our sons because we nurture them. We help in creating and building emotional intelligence. We teach them to recognize and express their own feelings and to be attuned to the feelings of others. Typically, boys who can do this are more articulate, such as my son. He loves to talk to people. He's social. And it helps them with their reading and writing skills. My son used to rap, and he used to rap very cerebrally. And it also helps with better self-control in the classroom. Now, I don't know. Early on, he kind of was off the chain in in pre-K and kindergarten. But (laughs) So if a child loses their mother or they never receive adequate mothering because, you know, there is such a thing as a mother being present but not being present. So the loss can cause long-term damage to their self-esteem, their ability to relate to other people other feelings of security that they have the inability to trust others. So all of those things can occur when you don't have your mother in your life. A girl who loses her mother may also suffer from anxiety, could suffer from depression, low self-esteem, lack of self-respect, different emotions, irritability, no self-discipline, no self-discipline, pardon me. So mothers have, just like fathers, have a very important place in our lives And then there's something called an emotionally absent mother. We can have emotionally absent mothers when our mothers suffer from mental illnesses. If your mother is depressed, if your mother's an alcoholic, if your mother is addicted to drugs, your mother could be physically present, but not present emotionally. An emotionally absent mother is not fully present. And especially not to the emotional life of the child. And this can happen too when your mama's working two and three jobs, if the father's not helping out because his ass ain't present. So we got to work together to help our children. A lot of times these mothers who are not emotionally present were also undermothered. And that's why they feel like, well, I, this is how I grow up. My kids can take it. So they have no idea what a close parent-child relationship looks like. If your child does not have his mother and and his life, or the mother is emotionally absent, there are certain things you can do to try to help that. You could try to find a mother figure like uh, we do for boys who don't have fathers, you know, like 5,000 role models here in South Florida, 100 black men, which is all over the country. Um, Also the person you remarry, you want to ensure that that person has a a nurturing spirit. Don't marry another woman who's not going to be around and doesn't want to be involved with your children. That's an early red flag. 
let's say you're dating a woman and she says she wants to come over and cook for you. This is a real life example a friend gave to me. This woman said she wanted to cook for him, came over and didn't want to cook for his teenage daughter. I said, what kind of bull crap is that? That is some bull. That should have been your first red flag, bruh. She didn't want to cook for your daughter. So you want to find a mother figure if you have a child who does not have their biological mother involved in their life, a son, I should say, who does not have their biological mother involved in their life. And this could apply to daughters too, who don't have their biological mother involved in their life, or the mother is emotionally absent. The person could also begin to mother themselves. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You don't have to succumb to the pressure and the stress and just give up in life. You can mother yourself. We have to forgive our mothers who are not present. We can also give ourselves permission to feel everything. It's okay to feel a certain type of way. That is okay. We can forgive ourselves. We can forgive our mothers. And we can teach ourselves to express ourselves and to share how we feel. If you grew up and, you know, you're 18 or you're in your 20s and you never did this, it can take time for you to develop the ability to do it. It can take time, but you will be able to do it. You just have to practice. You have to practice and the better you get at it, the better you'll become. So just remember, guys, I'm going to say this in closing, that our parents' mental health or who we are, if you're a parent, who you are mentally has a huge impact, a long-term impact on your children. Mothers and fathers, their mental health problems are the key sources of stress for children. The key sources of stress for children. We know that. It's been proven. We know it. So children who have been exposed to parental mental health problems, those babies, we got to give them extra love because a parent's psychological problems may need to, may lead to negative parenting behaviors, lack of attention to their children's needs, or even increased dysfunction in the home. As I was just stating, mothers and fathers of mental health problems are key sources of stress for children and have been linked to worse mental health and more behavioral problems for children during their youth. So we got to be careful in who we bring into our children's lives, who we are. If we're not taking care of our mental health and wellness, we got to do it. Negative events in someone's childhood may be associated with poor health throughout the course of their lives. So be careful how you're raising your child. Be careful about how you're treating yourself. Love yourself. You just heard a podcast uh, that was a week or two weeks ago on self-care. Self-care is self-love. Self-care is self-love. So your mental problems, your inability to manage your stress, your inability to enhance your own self-control to work on your own self-esteem, your inability to go and get help will affect your child. So that marital conflict you may have in the household, you abusing drugs and alcohol, stop it. Stop that crap now. It's affecting your child and it'll go on to affect your child for the rest of their lives. All right, guys. So 
I'm going to stop with that last question in my DMs. I'll answer some more questions maybe on the next episode, on the next podcast episode. I really wanted to talk about Will and, and Jada Smith, but um, I'm not going to do it yet because I, I still need to pull some things together. If you listened to my previous podcast about uh, the entanglement, I did some research. I did some research, man, to put up those two episodes. It, I talked about Will and Jada and August. Uh, his name is August, I believe. Yeah. The guy that Jada was entangled with. Those two episodes are still two of the most popular episodes on the Brain Love Podcast. And before I get out of here, I just want to say I appreciate you guys supporting and listening to the podcast and sharing it with friends and family. Don't stop sharing it. Continue to share the podcast. It's just going to continue. I'm not going to stop it, man. I'm not going to stop. So everyone have a great week. And remember, Brain Love. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need It's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.